I'm excited about tonight. Um, I, I've been uh, praying and pondering on speaking on this so subject again for a while. Um, and I feel like now is the time that God is releasing me to do so. And I want to talk about being kingdom-minded in 2024. Kingdom-minded. John Stott said, despite their overthrow, the powers of darkness have not yet conceded their defeat. They continue to contest every inch of their territory. The kingdom of Satan retreats only as the kingdom of God advances. John Wesley said, give me 100 men who love only God with all their heart and hate only sin with all their heart and we will shake the gates of hell and bring in the kingdom of God in one generation. Kingdom-minded in 2024. Romans 14 and 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When you look over in Matthew 6, 33, some of you are going to know right away what that scripture is. Jesus instructs us to seek first the kingdom of God, to allow our heart to become an altar where he becomes the center of our life, where we make our Christian walk a priority, that whatever we do, whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, we do all for the glory of God. I, I really believe the church would be transformed by just 1 Corinthians 10.31 if we started to do that. If everything that we did, what we said, what we ate, what we drank, what we watched, where we went, if we did that in light of the glory of God, there would be a revival that the churches would not be able to contain the people. We're talking about becoming kingdom-minded in 2024. So he says, seek first the kingdom of God. And he doesn't stop there. He says, we're also to seek his righteousness. Holy and upright living according to God's standard of truth. His standard. Not man's. Not, not a church. Not a, not a doctrine. But the word of God. The standard, the word righteousness comes from a root word that means straightness. It refers to a state that conforms to an authoritative standard. Righteousness is a moral concept. Righteousness and justice are the very foundation of the throne of God. It's his nature. It's his character. He's a righteous and a holy and a just God. Jesus promised that when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, the result would be that all these things would be added to us. What are these things? I have found through the years that these things are wisdom and revelation. They're spiritual, physical, and emotional provision. It's anointing, it's strength, it's guidance, it's hope, it's help, it's kingdom keys and authority. 
Kingdom-minded. Say that with me. Kingdom-minded. It's our responsibility as believers to continually seek God's kingdom in all its manifestations. We can't stop because we've been in church for five years or 10 years or 15 years or all of our life. We've got to continually seek the kingdom of God. We need to hunger and thirst for righteousness and pray continually for God's power and presence to be amongst us, not only individually, but corporately, that his presence would be among us. And when we walk in righteousness, we can be assured that his presence is gonna be dwelling among us because he is a righteous God. Jonathan Edwards said, the seeking of the kingdom of God is the chief business of the Christian life. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His kingdom is unshakable. I recently read that the challenge is this. There are only two kings in the universe. There's no neutral zone in the matter. There is no no man's land here. There are only two rules, two kingdoms. Christ God's eternally appointed king who rules the kingdom of God and the devil, the thief, the deceiver who rules the kingdom of darkness. All of us have to come to a decision at some point whether we're gonna serve God or we're gonna serve the devil and we're gonna proclaim Jesus as Lord. But as children of God, when we accept Christ into our life, the moment that we do that, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, Come into my life, be Lord of my life. We're translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. In that moment, the kingdom of God is what we become a part of. It's important to study and to learn about the kingdom of God because it was one of the core teachings that Jesus taught when you read the gospels, when you look at the parables, and then when you look at Acts 1, after Jesus rose from the dead, before his ascension into heaven, he spent 40 days with his disciples, teaching them about the kingdom of God, preparing them to walk in the supernatural power that he was about to release on the church on the day of Pentecost. So I want us to look for just a moment at what the kingdom of God is and where the kingdom of God is found. When you look in the scriptures, you hear the phrases interchangeably, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. They're not two different places or things, but they're used in scripture as the same. The kingdom of God is not a defined location. It's wherever the people of God are, that's where the kingdom of God is. If you look over in Luke 17, 2021, 20, once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. So 
So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1 and 1. God ruled as king over, over this spacious spiritual realm that he had already created, that inhabited angels that were there to serve him and worship him. And then when the book of Genesis opens with God's activity in the creation of the physical world that would be the environment for the manifestation of his eternal purpose, his intention in the beginning of time was to establish his kingdom in the physical world without having to come visibly in it, but that those that he created in his image, which is us, we were created for him and by him, that he would create a family, an offspring, who would become his physical representatives that would implement and establish and release his invisible kingdom in the world. I want you to grab a hold of this because it's gonna change everything when we become kingdom-minded. And I'm gonna tell you in the day we live, we can't be passive Christians anymore. We can't just come to church once or twice a week and think we're gonna make an eternal difference. We have got to get the mind of Christ and understand who is in us because everywhere we go, we are challenged. Without ever saying a word. In Genesis 1, 26, the word says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion our rule and authority over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion or rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We were created in the image of God, in his likeness, to worship him, to have fellowship with him, and to be his personal representatives here on the earth. We are kingdom people with kingdom power, with kingdom purpose with access to kingdom provision. And it tells us that in Ephesians 1 and 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So if you can, I want you to picture this with me tonight. I want you to picture the kingdom of God as God coming into the world to reveal and assert his power, his glory, and his dominion over Satan against the principalities of the air, the rulers of darkness, the lawlessness, the wickedness, the spiritual wickedness in high places over, over sin. God has come to assert his power and his rule it is more than just salvation or the church or eternity. The kingdom of God is present. It is now. It's God desiring to express himself through his people. He longs to be active in his church. He wants to reveal himself 
and his plans and his purposes in the church, to the church, through the church, so that we can bring and call heaven to earth in the day that we live. We need to be kingdom-minded. We have authority to bind and to loose. We have authority to call heaven to earth. We have authority to walk in God's power and in his goodness and take dominion over the things of the earth that are coming against the kingdom of God because they've already been defeated. God longs to be involved in his creation. In Luke 12, 32, Jesus says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It was his intention from the beginning when he created us. Until the new heaven and the new earth, this world will remain an enemy of God. There's so much tension. When truth is spoken into darkness, a war is waged. Have you ever walked in a room? Just walked in a room and irritate someone who's not living like they should be living. Not that you're anything special, not that you have it all together. It's just that the kingdom of God is in you and you have committed your life to Christ. And when you walk in a room or someone walks into the room around you and they're not living the way they should, especially if they know the way, it can get tense. There's a war going on. It's real. The enemy is waging for the souls of everyone in this room and beyond. Because of the rebellion of Satan in heaven and he was cast out into darkness. And ever since the Garden of Eden when man and woman sinned and sin entered into the world. There's been a wage, a war that has been waging. The kingdom of darkness coming against the kingdom of light. But we know the outcome of this war, Jesus has already defeated the enemy and made an open show of him. We've got to grab a hold of that and walk in that power in the church. Matthew 11 says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God, heaven suffers violence and the violent Take it by force. I want to look you in the eye and I want to tell you as a child of God, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. I want you to say that out loud. The kingdom of God is within me. Is within me. God longs to release his power in the earth in this day and time that we're living in. He's longing to have the church become engaged in 
kingdom living to such a degree that even when we're at Walmart, we stop without even thinking about it and we pray for those that we encounter. We speak life into those that we encounter. It should be like breathing to us because we're children of God and the kingdom of God is within us. It is not by might nor by power, but by the spirit of the Lord that things happen and things are changed. But we are living in desperate times. And God is calling the church to arise, to not back down. I'm telling you, the enemy is brazen. He'll get right in your face and breathe out all kinds of things. If you loved, you would be tolerant. If you loved, you would give in. But we can love without backing down. We can love and be so full of the spirit that God begins to change the sinner into his image. We have to have kingdom power today. We're no match for what's happening. But he is. Kingdom-minded. I want to see revival, church. How do we become kingdom-minded? And I want you to hear me. I'm going to keep you just a few minutes longer. And I'm going to talk on the kingdom again next week. But I'm telling you, there's something stirring in my belly. First, we have to take a look and see if there are any sins or weights that are besetting us and causing us to become distracted from our purpose because it can happen while you're sitting on the church pew. And then we have to check and see if we're overwhelmed, if we're fearful, if we're anxious, if we're tired, if we're empty. And I want us to look at Matthew 6. I want us to look back there. I want you to open your Bible if you have it. And we're going to start with verse 25, Matthew 6, 25. I want you to read with me. I'm going to read a few verses here. Jesus is teaching. And this is what he says leading up to 33. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry or do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying or being anxious, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry or be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knows what you need, that you need all these things. And then here we are, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And then Philippians 4, 6, and 7, the apostle Paul admonishes again, 
to not let anxiety rule the heart and mind. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then 1 Peter 5 and 7, cast all your care or your anxiety on him for he cares for you. Now, I don't know about you, but if you watch the news too long and you see the lawlessness and the division and the people and the parties and the state of our nation, it can, it can get overwhelming. It can make you a little anxious. If you look at the price of food and gas and insurance and your bills, and then you look at your check register, if you look at that too long, you can get anxious. If you sit long enough in church without stirring yourself from the, with the fire of God, you will find yourself passive in worship and your mind wandering and yourself empty. We have to reset and gaze at God once again. We've got to start seeking first the kingdom of God. I mean really seeking him. I mean more than just coming to church. More than just saying I'm a Christian. I'm talking about getting down before God and letting God touch you and, 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 and letting him move in your life. You know, I just felt that we are becoming too carnal-minded. We can sit in church and become carnal-minded. We can become compliant with the world and with the things of the world and start to kind of regress and get used to all the things that are going on around us to where we're not stirred with burden to pray. Am I talking to anybody tonight? We, we can get overwhelmed with the state of the world and much of the church and we can live in anxiety and worry and I know it to be so because you can ponder and think on things so much that look impossible that pretty soon you can get discouraged and depressed as a Christian. That's why I felt to point us back to this scripture and become kingdom minded to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things would be added to us. Peace, joy, love, goodness, hope, mercy, strength, wisdom, help, fresh fire, fresh anointing, renewed hunger, and expectancy. See, it's God that will supply all of our need according to his riches and glory. He holds it all. He owns the earth. The earth is his. Everything in the earth and everything beneath the earth is his. So here's how to reset, a good way to reset in 2024. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness first through prayer and fasting over an open Bible. Don't get weary about us talking about fasting at the first of the year. Don't you get weary. It's a principle that God set in motion. It's one of the most powerful spiritual combinations on the earth. Prayer and fasting. That's why the enemy fights it. That's why your flesh fights it. Your flesh will rear up and be hungry and bow up and try to get you to bow down because your flesh knows better than your spirit sometimes what's going to happen when you submit yourself to a season before the Lord. 
It's a powerful combination. There are things that pastor said at Sunday that don't happen but through prayer and fasting. It'll stir the soul. True fasting brings humility and alignment with God. It breaks the power of flesh and demons. It kills unbelief and brings answers to prayer when nothing else works. Jesus said in Matthew, when you fast, not if you fast. It's a principle that God intended for us to practice. It's not a punishment. It's a privilege. You will not come through a fast looking the way you went in. And I'm not talking about losing weight. I'm talking about when you truly fast and you begin to feast in the presence of God and you begin to gaze at God because you've been distracted, you've been overwhelmed, you've been anxious, you've been worried, you've been upset, you've been empty, you've been tired and you begin to fast over an open Bible and you begin to pray. You begin to reflect the glory of God. You begin to shine. Something in you begins to stir. Something's birthed inside of you. Fire begins to rise up once again. And a desire to worship overwhelms you. You don't have to be prompted and told. Lift your hands now. We're going to worship now. We're going to sing now. Something in you has been gazing at God and you see his beauty again. You see his splendor again and his majesty again. Something begins to happen down inside of you because you're feasting now on, on, on spiritual things and you're denying the flesh. Fasting in the Bible was about food. We've talked about fasting other things. I'm very well aware that some people physically can't, don't do what you can't do. It's not good for pregnant women. For those of you that are diabetic and have other things, you may have special needs. But there are things you can pull away from. Someone told me that they're fasting dessert and that's a huge thing to them. I was so excited. Sometimes there's just a delicacy. People have told me they fasted coffee because they were they were hooked on it and they fasted it and it changed them. All I'm saying is, if you want to reset, if you want to become kingdom minded, if you're serious about 2024, that you don't want to go into this year the way you came out of the other one because the enemy tried to wear you out and take you out, then put yourself before God and let him renew and revive and refire and refuel you by pulling away from something and making him a priority. Don't get weary of it. I'm not going to quit talking about something that Jesus said was good for you. I live in this flesh with you. My flesh bucks me like your flesh bucks you. I have to make a choice like you do. But I want to tell you, I want to see the kingdom of God come to the earth. I want to see prodigals come home. I want to see fire in the altar once again. I want to see the church moved. I want to see Lachlan worshiping God once again without being prompted, without being begged, without being urged, just because you're in love with Jesus. That's what it does. 
Kingdom-minded. Kingdom-minded. Time is short. Jesus is coming. I don't want to get out of here with just fire insurance or by the skin of my teeth. I want to go out with a blaze of glory. I want to be calling fire from heaven. Hey! I want to be worshiping with everything that I have. Not intimidated by what people think or why what the enemy is saying. I want to press against that that's pressing against me. I want to press against the battles of the enemy. I want to call the prodigals home. I want God to do great things again in the church. And he longs to do it. He longs to do it. But he's going to do it through you and I. He's going to do it through you and I. Fasting reveals the kingdom of God to us and releases the kingdom of God through us. It's an intentional act of intimacy with God. That's the first thing. One more thing that I'm going to tell you will reset and put you in a position to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Is to begin to worship God with biblical acts. If you want to put the enemy under your feet. It's not about I'm quiet. It's not about that I'm loud. Because I wasn't always loud. And you all may not believe that. But I wasn't. But I was tired of being bound down. I was tired of being intimidated by the enemy and intimidated what people thought about my worship. And I asked Holy Spirit to release me. And he taught me, you start doing the biblical acts of worship. You start doing what you know. You start clapping your hands. You start lifting your hands. You start kneeling. You start dancing. You start doing the things that you know that are biblical acts that bring glory to me. And you're going to start resetting and becoming kingdom-minded. Because worship exalts God. And he dwells in the place of worship. He dwells there. He manifests his power and his presence. It's a place of revelation. It's where you begin to see him face to face. Because you take your eyes off of everybody else. What they're doing. What they're thinking. What they're speculating. And it becomes all about him. <laughs> and we just begin to exalt him because he's worthy of our praise. He's worthy. And we press against the enemy that says, you look foolish. You look a little silly. You had a hard week. You shouldn't be lifting your hands. What are people going to think? This is pressing. This is a biblical act of worship. Lift your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. That's a biblical act. That's not a church of God. That's not a Lachlan doctrine. That is a biblical act of worship. And when I begin to become kingdom minded and reset myself in line with the word of God, that's when shackles begin to break. That's when strongholds begin to come down. That's when freedom begins to be birthed in my life and revelation knowledge of God and who he is begins to be 
activated in my life. If you want to see revival, I want you to stand all over this house and I want you to lift your hands for just a moment. A biblical act of worship. Just a biblical act of worship. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. I want you just to lift your hands and open your mouth and just tell God how good he is. Thank you, Jesus. 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 How we love you, Lord. How we love you, Lord. How we love you, Lord. I'm going to encourage you. There's a couple of you in here. I just feel it in my spirit. I don't know who you are, but that you need to press against that that's been pressing against you. The enemy's been trying to wear you out and wear you down, but you just press through your worship. Just take a moment and press. We honor you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. We magnify you, Jesus. We magnify you, Jesus. We magnify you, Jesus. He la ra ba 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 soto ra ma 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 ha. He tanda la bo soto ra ba 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 soto. Hate kashki tala la lo bo so. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We honor you, we honor you, we honor you.